Greetings, salutations, and welcome to another exciting installment of Just a Podcast. In fact, it is the 25th installment of Just a Podcast. And the big thing on my mind right now, of course, I had a homecoming of sorts a couple of weeks ago where I was sent to Columbia, Maryland to attend the M3 Rock Festival at Merriweather Post Pavilion. And two things you should know if you don't already. One, I grew up in Columbia, Maryland. I lived there from the age of nine until the age of 23. And a lot of milestones in my life happened at Meriwether Post Pavilion. Like the first concert that I ever attended on my own with just my buddies without my parents or any other adults was at Meriwether Post Pavilion. I saw White Snake there in 1990. And it was the Slip of the Tongue tour with Steve Vai on lead guitar. And it was it was awesome. And I don't say that in the way that people throw the word awesome around now. I mean, it inspired awe in me. It was like this huge light show and pyrotechnics blowing up and all kinds of stuff. And and Steve Vai did one of the coolest things I have ever seen a guitarist do on stage. All right, he he had uh, he was playing one guitar, and he had another guitar that was attached to a rope, and he hits a chord on on that guitar. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then the guitar goes up to the rafters. I'll tell you what, this is not going to be a very interesting podcast. So I'm sitting here coughing the whole time. That'll go away soon. Pardon the interruption. I don't even remember what I was talking about now. What was I talking about? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Steve I. So his solo was the best part of the show, bar none. But it was like, you know, it was a big deal to me. And uh, I went to another 40 or 50 concerts there over the years. Went to a lot of shows there, and uh, to my recollection, the last time I was there was in 1998, although I, I talked to my mom on the phone yesterday, and she told me that I was there at some point after that, because I did I, I did crash at my, my parents' house for about 18 months there around 2008, 2009. And I don't remember actually going to any shows at Merriweather during that time. Although one thing I did like to do, I would go to uh, the Symphony Woods, which is the, it's like the area around the pavilion. And it's like a park, you know, you can take a walk in there and of course, from in there, you can hear the stage perfectly. In fact, I could hear the stage from my house at times, and my house was like three miles away. And I did that a lot because I was broke, and getting into shows was not an option. I was not yet a Bob, so there <laughs> that wasn't uh, an option either. But uh, so going back there was was interesting for me, and I wasn't sure how it was going to be. The last time I had been in Columbia was in 2019. Went there and visited with friends and hung out for a couple days. It was That was a, you know, a pleasure trip. This was business, so I was here on behalf of the radio station. And to the dozen or so Bobs who approached the Bob tent over those two days and and spoke to me. Appreciate you all. I was really happy to see you. And, I, you know, I went into that whole thing with a 
something of a misconception about uh, who the fans would be. I figured it'd be a lot of local people, and I taught almost nobody I talked to was local. You know, I talked to people from as far away as Ohio, uh, the Carolinas, Southern Virginia. Uh, you know, people who drove like 10 hours to get there. So I was kind of impressed with that. <clears throat> and But, you know, I, I figured we'd be, you know, kind of a fish out of water because we're out of our, our territory, and that turned out not to be the case at all. In fact, the, the local station that was there will remain nameless. Uh, they were, you know, just as... Uh, as busy as we were, which is to say not very much, which I found quite amusing. And in fact, by the looks of it, some of our stuff was was better than the the big city boys. So that was that was cool to uh to discover that. <clears throat> But, you know, I, I was there uh, uh, about six or seven hours each day. And I, I, I got there at around 10 a.m., which is when the VIP gates opened up. Got in there, got set up. Gates opened at uh, 11, and, uh, you know, people would trickle in. You know, the way it, it's set up at these kinds of festivals is that, you know, it's like with most shows, you know, the biggest names are, are towards the end of the day. And, uh, <clears throat> but I, I cut out at about 5 p.m. both of those days because I really didn't want to get caught in a an in in exodus for the, the gates, you know what I mean? And as it was, with the way that the place is set up, like you go to the VIP parking lot and it's like this this little narrow lane that comes off of Symphony Woods Drive and it's like zigzags up this steep hill. Looks like Lombard Street in San Francisco. And I don't even know if you could fit two cars passing each other. That's how narrow this driveway was. And then you get up into this parking lot and you're like, well, this is a national nationwide major venue. And the VIP parking lot is like narrow and <laughs> it's I guess they don't get many VIPs there or something. I don't know what it was, but uh, I, I parked the Bob truck in a place that would be convenient for me to load in and load out. The problem was it was a bit further than anticipated, and I ended up lugging that big canopy case about a quarter of a mile up and back both days and setting everything up. Yeah, but I knew I knew there was going to be work. You know, these things involve work, and in, in this line of business, <clears throat> you know, the the physical labor is is minimal. So I kind of feel like when there are times when it's necessary, you know, just suck it up and do it. So that was my my whole attitude. And because I was alone, I wound up making three or four trips in and out both days to the point where I actually overheard some of the staff. They were like blue shirts. You know, like at, at Shiley's, they have the yellow shirts, but at Merriweather, they have blue shirts that's a staff on the back, and uh, a lot of their crew are younger people, uh, you know, late teens, early 20s, and I guess they had a, a, a group of new kids, you know, standing at the the back gate, and I could hear their supervisor telling them to ignore me. <laughs> I'm going to be in and out. And, of course, my pass was stuck on the front of my shirt, so, I mean, they could see that it was legitimate, you know, but I got a chuckle out of that. 
But you know, all things considered, it was it was it was it was a fantastic time, and I, I'll say this for the people who were there, even the ones who had no idea who I was and who and who or what Bob Rocks is, were were still great. You know, they were really cool with me, and they were genuinely interested to hear about the station and to know where we're from and all of that. I, I, I just told people that we were out of Hagerstown, you know, because I'm thinking, you know, randos from there probably are not going to be too familiar with the geography here. And I'm not, like, I'll, I'll explain, like, sometimes, like, when I'm in Ocean City or whatever, I'll tell people I'm from Pennsylvania, and they'll be, oh, yeah, whereabouts? And then Green Castle, blank stairs all around, and then you got to tell them, depending on whether they're Maryland or PA people, because in, in Ocean City, it seems like it's one or the other. But if they're a PA, you tell them, we're uh, southwest of Harrisburg, and if they're from Maryland, we're due north of Hagerstown. Now, I've been here for long enough that I understand, you know, and I, I'm not a local either, and that's another question that we'll deal with some other time. But, like, you move to a place, how long does it take to be considered to be a local? You know, that's a question that <laughs> I have had for a very long time. I've lived in a lot of places. I've lived in, I think, by actual count, 12 different zip codes <laughs> over the years, which may not seem like a lot to some people, but when you're dealing with people, and, and this includes a lot of people I know who have never really left the place where they grew up. And I did that. I didn't. I wasn't planning on it, but it just sort of happened that way. And I landed here in in a great spot. You know, got lucky, really. But anyway, I hadn't lived in, in Columbia full-time for many years. So I wanted to take a look and see the place. I went and drove by my parents' old house and took a look at the way that they, the new owners fixed it up and got it looking nice again. And it was while I was rolling up the old street in the Bob truck that I got to thinking, you know, the last time I visited there in 2019, it still felt like my old hometown, you know, the place where I grew up, spent half my childhood there. And now going there again in 2023, it was like, you know, there's nothing there. It's like you can't go home again or or what, but it just it wasn't it didn't feel like home anymore. It was just a it was just a place. I was there on business. And don't get me wrong, it was a great experience. You know, the shows were excellent. The bands were great and the fans were great. I mean, it really was an overall excellent experience, and I'm very much hoping that I will have the opportunity to do it again next year. But in any case, <clears throat> excuse me, driving around and uh, just taking a look at, at things and places I knew. You know, and, and it was weird because it was all so familiar. I drove past my old high school, and all, all these places I'm mentioning, by the way, are all very close together geographically. You know, it's not like I spent like a whole day joyriding. We're talking about maybe 20 minutes of time to do all these things on the way to my my hotel room. But I, you know, I saw a lot of stuff, and it was all familiar and it was like, I can remember, yeah, I did this here, I did that there, the other thing there. But it's not home anywhere, you know, anymore. I don't live there anymore. And 
it was interesting because that was the first time, you know, in the last 20 years, you know, accepting, like I said, the times that I was crashing at my parents' house. So as far as the, the, the Meriwether Post Pavilion itself, um, my perspective was much different because most of the time I came in through a gate on the other far side of the pavilion and so I knew that that side, that whole area, but I was on the, the opposite side. And there was stru- like upper structures and VIP areas and things that I'd never seen before. And I don't know whether, you know, that was built between 1998 and now or what. That's how out of touch I am. But it was nice. And I, I, could, I could honestly see how cool it would be to, uh, you know, to be able to go there regularly. And, I, you know, it is only an hour and change drive from here. So conceivably I could go back and, and go to shows and stuff like that there again if, if I wanted to. And I might do that, you know. And it may be if I'm visiting that area more often then it might start feeling like home to me again. I don't know. You know, I'm not trying to get philosophical with you, but it, it's an interesting thing that that I observed. And like I said before, I, I've lived in a lot of places. You know, I, I can... I'll, I'll, all right, I'll run down the places that I have lived. All right. Uh, I was born in Philadelphia, lived there till I was nine. Moved to Columbia, Maryland. Lived there until I was 23. Uh, 23, 24, I was in Ellicott City, Maryland. And I went to uh, Woodlawn, then to Catonsville, then to Baltimore City, then to uh, Brunswick, then Frederick, then Hagerstown. Um, briefly back to Columbia and to Greencastle. So, yeah, I mean, I've lived in a lot of places. You know, it wasn't necessarily what I would have chosen, but it's been a very interesting journey. There is no question about that. So I, I, I'm i at the festival and talking to a lot of the attendees there, and one thing that I found quite funny was that almost everyone there who was themselves named Bob or had a relative named Bob, even if they never heard of our station, they wanted swag. They wanted koozies or, or, uh, oh, what else did we have? We had, uh, the, uh, the, the bracelets, the rubber bracelets, a lot of those, give a lot of those away too. But the koozies, koozies are always a big hit at festivals because people are drinking, you know? And so that was cool. So I met a lot of people named Bob. <laughs> and I met the sisters and wives of a lot of people named Bob, which was fine. And 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 I would I would say to all of them, you know, all right, well, hey, when you're heading through Western Maryland <laughs> on your way back to wherever you're from, make sure to tune it to 101.5 and and check us out. And you can stream us on, you know, the whole thing, you know, because trying to sell the radio station, so to speak, to a bunch of people that never heard of us, which is pretty interesting. And I heard from a lot of people, like like one guy told me he was a long-distance truck driver and passed through this area between, um, like, Baltimore and, like, Ohio or something like that. He told me, you know, I'm through this part of the, the the country on a regular basis, and I always switch to Bob Rocks. You know, this is a guy that doesn't live here, has never lived here, isn't from here, and only knows our station by scanning through 
which is pretty awesome, you know? And honestly, I've discovered some cool radio stations around the country that way. Whenever I'm traveling, I like to scan through and check out the local stations and see what are they doing that we're not? What are they not doing that we are? And I, I it's not because of the, the whole competition angle it, as much as it, it is just curiosity, you know, because I feel like we, we kind of have a thing here, you know, we kind of know what we're doing and we have a, uh, you know, a very unified uh, brand. And, and that, that's another thing that more than one person mentioned to me was that, you know, there's, there was, I, I, there, at one point there was a trend in giving radio stations like personal names. You know, I've heard of, you know, other Bobs. I've heard of like Jack FM and there's a few others, but uh, I found that <laughs> kind of, kind of amusing as well. Uh and I'll tell you this, because I was here when when Bob Rocks started. You know, I remember before Bob was around, and I, I remember getting the news that it was gonna be it was gonna be called Bob Rocks, and thinking, well, okay then. <laughs> I just didn't get it. I I thought that's kind of. Isn't that kind of an odd name for a radio station? And then I soon learned from you, <laughs> you being the people who listen to the station, the members of Bob Nation, that it's kind of awesome. <laughs> and everybody likes being a Bob. And, and it was a, a pleasant surprise, but uh, somewhat unexpected to me. And I, I kind of realized at that point... You know, and this was still very early in my my radio career, but I, I realized, well, that's it. You don't know everything, so listen to people. <laughs> listen to people. Listen to what they have to say. Because I've always believed that just about anyone that you meet can teach you in some way or another. And I know... Personally, I learn things from people all the time. And so it's always interesting being in situations like that where you're interacting with people that are from a different geographic area and people who don't necessarily have the same frame of references that you have. You know, I enjoy that. I mean, I'm a... Uh, I'm an introverted person, but I feel like I've adapted pretty well in this job. You know, my my ability to to deal with people and to deal with people I don't know and to go into strange situations and stuff like that has been uh, improved dramatically from from doing this. You know, being sent out and to to unknown situations and having to figure things out, you know? Yeah, and I still get that that adrenaline rush and that anxiety and all that stuff, but it subsides quickly now, you know, because I found that, to my great surprise, a lot of times meeting strangers for the first time, they're as apprehensive as I am. And uh, it's a nice reminder that Everyone's different, but a lot of people have a lot of things in common and maybe more than they realize. So that's that's interesting. But, you know, I was driving through Columbia and uh, just seeing things and, you know, just, just basically getting an idea for the, the look of the place, feel the place now. And it's changed a lot. You know, there's a lot more development, a lot more businesses. Seems like there's a lot more cars, but that just could be me. 
I mean, you know, I lived in and around major cities for my whole life. You know, I lived in Philadelphia. I lived near, uh, in and around Baltimore for, for a long time. And so that's just what I'm used to. And in a way it was, it was like culture shock for me coming here because it's, it's a different, it's a whole different attitude. But, uh, You know, it's it's good, I think, to revisit your past once in a while because it gives you a better understanding of your present and how you how you got there. And the and that's something that I've always subscribed to. You know, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. When I was, uh, my, my mother was hospitalized a couple months back. And so I was traveling to Northern Virginia regularly to visit. And a lot of times, you know, like coming home, it's not a real interesting trip. You know, it's a lot of miles on, on US-15 and on I-70 and US-340 and, you know, it, it's just not a real... And it's so at a certain point after making that trip every week for, I don't know, a month and a half or so, uh, at some point during that time, I started taking alternate routes home. And I would go, like... Uh, like taking the Berlin Turnpike into Brunswick. I mentioned earlier I lived in Brunswick for uh, about two years, and so it was interesting to see, especially because the experience I had there was not the greatest. I'm I'm to this day convinced that I lived on a street with a bunch of psychotic people. <laughs> And that was also my first lesson in the pitfalls that can suck you in in a, in a small town, especially one like that, where it's not only small, but it's also rather isolated as well. So, yeah, I, I'm, I've talked to people since then that have been from there, and, and I, I'm like... Well, more power to you if you could <laughs> you could live there. I'm not saying it's a bad place. I'm just saying that my own experience was not great, and it had a lot to do with the people that were immediately around me. You ever had that happen? Like you, you, you move to somewhere, and you just get off on the wrong foot with the neighbors somehow, and it just never changes. And that's pretty much what it was like. And, you know, there were members of my household who were pretty good at collecting enemies. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, rolling down a snow covered hill. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, going back there in, in other circumstances was very interesting for me because you do have a certain amount of perspective that comes with time and distance. And oftentimes it's very difficult to get a clear picture of these things when you're right up on them. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? But once you're looking at it from a distance, then you can sort of see the whole thing as part of a larger tapestry. And you get some perspective, you know. And uh, it was the same thing. Like I went to Frederick and I drove past my my old house there and I drove past uh, somewhere that I worked there and and got a look at that. And it was the same kind of thing. You know, there are a lot of roads that weren't there before, I can tell you that much. And, uh, 
just remember looking around thinking, you know, this does not ring a bell to me at all. <laughs> you know, because you, you, you go downtown and, and everything's the same. And then you go to like towards the outskirts and it's like, it's like a whole different universe. And my, my experience in Columbia was very similar. But having said that, it was a great place to grow up and it informed my personality in a lot of ways. Um, because Columbia being both a planned community and to some extent intended to be a haven for minorities and for people who had experienced roadblocks in their efforts to become homeowners. And mind you, this this is like the, the late 60s we're talking about. So the world was something of a different place then. So by the time my family moved there in the early 80s, it, it was very much a melting pot. And I came from an area of Philadelphia called Fishtown. And that's center north um, alongside the Delaware River and kind of an insular neighborhood. And I found that that's true in a lot of major cities. You know, a major city is very rarely a unified whole. And I saw a lot of this when I lived in Baltimore, too. But uh, you could have, you know, one neighborhood's a certain way, and two blocks over, you're in the next neighborhood, and it's completely different. And uh, in uh, in Philadelphia, when I was living there as a kid, that was definitely the case. And so going to Columbia from that, like in, in Fishtown when I was a kid, everybody was... Polish or Irish Catholic, <laughs> like everybody. And I mean, there's three parochial schools just in this one, you know, five square mile area. It's like very intensely clustered together. So I moved to Columbia and, and, and I saw, people of, of other ethnicities and backgrounds for the first time, which sounds funny, but it was an eye-opening experience for me. And getting exposed to that at a very young age, like I said, I mean, I was nine years old when we moved to Columbia, so it was completely different. Like, the, the everything was different, and it was a learning experience, and it was a good experience. And there were times when... I thought, you know, I, I wish we had just stayed in Philadelphia. I really did. But, you know, that's short-lived. You, you, you say that stuff when you're upset about something or whatever. And for the most part, I can, I can tell you with complete confidence that I, I would have turned out to be a completely different person if we had never gone to Columbia. And that I can't, I can't overstress it. You know, it, it's, it, that might sound like an exaggeration, but... I, I mean it quite sincerely. So it was a good place to grow up for a lot of reasons. And living in other places in the years since has really only reinforced that attitude for me. That I, in a way I sort of took on those values of, of openness and inclusivity and, uh, Things like that. Because I I think, you know, an open mind is better than a closed one. I think no one is inherently bad. At least I hope that's true, you know. But certainly every everybody has redeeming qualities, and it's just a matter of getting to them, bringing them out. So anyway, 
This is all tangents, by the way. If you have listened to any of the previous installments of just a podcast, then then you realize I do tangents. I do a lot of them because that's the thing. This is like the stuff that I can't do on the air. So, but I I was asked some months back would I be interested in attending M three and. It was something that I was obviously very interested in because I, you know, I remember when the M3 started. Apparently, this year's edition was the 14th year. And I remember hearing about the first one, the first few, the first couple. It was, it was a big thing, you know, it was like every hair metal band ever. And a lot of them, it was like original lineups. Stuff like that. By now, not quite so much. And you could almost tell by the sequence of the bands, you know, the order in which they were set to perform. It's like the ones that have no or like one original member were early in the day. (laughs) And the later you got in the day, the more... Uh, the classic lineups you would see. But, you know, I, I've i talked to some of you out in the nation about bands, and uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, this band isn't the same since that person left. And some of them I kind of get. Uh you know, people said Iron Maiden, not the same without Bruce Dickinson, which they weren't. Or, or Judas Priest, not the same without Rob Halford. I would concur with that. Uh, some of them I don't quite get. Like, I, I read on a post recently, somebody said, uh, Smashing Pumpkins aren't the same without Darcy. And, you know, I'm not here hating on Darcy. I, I don't have any opinion about her one way or the other, but I will say this. On those old Smashing Pumpkins albums, we're talking Gish, we're talking Siamese Dream, she didn't even play on most of those tracks. Billy Corgan played the bass on a lot of that stuff. So you're saying that this band is not the same without someone who had a very tiny contribution. And that's in a lot of cases. But, you know, as a musician, as somebody who has been in bands that have had a lot of turnover of members I can I can tell you that sometimes there's just it's just unavoidable and what are you going to do I mean you know sometimes some and I've seen this in in my own experience you know you get somebody who just doesn't want to be there anymore what are you going to do you can't force them to hang around you know, I guess you, you could once you're on the national level through contracts or what have you. I mean, generally speaking, you don't want somebody there who doesn't want to be there. And so you find somebody who does want to be there. And But I, I understand, and, and the M3 experience really sort of hammered this home for me because it was a great reminder that... You know, people have attachment to to bands, to actors, and and people like that because that person or their work reminds you of a time in your own life. You know, so you you love a certain band because hearing their music reminds you of a time in your own life that was. Uh, a positive thing. And I'm I'm no different. I mean, I, I'm no different than anybody else. You know, like I hear pour some sugar on me. And I'm not thinking strip club. I'm thinking when I was in high school, skateboarding to school with the hysteria cassette in my Walkman. <laughs> oh, man, that's really dating me, isn't it? I mean, this was like, you know, 1989, 1990, that kind of thing. But yeah, so I get it, you know, and and I tend to to 
when some when I read somebody saying, "Well, that band is not the same without this member," I tend to take it with a grain of salt because they're talking from an emotional place and not necessarily a musical one. And for me, I a lot of times like I'm as guilty as anybody else in that I I have my own blinders. You know, everybody's got blinders in a certain way. And for me, it's because I was a musician for many years before I got into radio. And so that's kind of what my perspective is. You know, I'm a person who has had to recruit band members and... I've had uh, people that I've played with that tried out great and wound up being not so great uh, from a personality standpoint. Uh, So I tend to sympathize with bands who have lost a member. I'll give you an example of what I'm saying. Uh, Skid Row. Every time Skid Row puts out a new album or announces a new tour, the comments on the socials will be jammed with people saying it's not the same without Sebastian Bach. And, I mean, they're right. Sebastian Bach was a fantastic singer. And I I remember uh, I saw Skid Row... Opening for Guns N' Roses, um, spring of 91. So Skid Row had just put out Slave to the Grind. And uh, GNR were a matter of weeks, I think it was like six weeks away from releasing the Usual Illusion albums. And I was pretty excited about that show, and it was a fantastic show. Like everything that you've heard about Guns N' Roses concerts... Like, none of it happened here. You know, because I, I also saw them when they did the stadium tour with Metallica in the summer of 92. And I remember that like it was yesterday because this was, a, you know, a very short time before the show in Montreal where James Hetfield got burned by pyrotechnics and Metallica had to cut their set short. And and Guns N' Roses still took three hours to go on stage, and they cut their short off, uh, or they cut their set short. They cut their short off. What does that mean? They cut their set short. Um, you know, one of Axel's Mike slamming routines, and and the, and the place rioted. And this was in Montreal. You know, Canadians, Canadians. Riding over something besides hockey. That's a very rare occurrence in my experience. But anyway, I was at the first show and uh, Metallica played the set of their life. I've seen Metallica nine times in my life. That was by far the best show I've ever seen them do. Because at this point in time, this is 92, so the white, the um, Black Album is is almost a year in release at that point. And they've been on the road the whole time. So they are a super tight, well-oiled machine firing on eight cylinders. And Guns N' Roses was just a hot mess. They were always a hot mess. And it was almost like somebody told them, Rock stars are supposed to be a hot mess. You know, you're supposed to be falling down drunk at award shows and dropping F-bombs on live TV and all this kind of thing. But anyway, back to a year earlier. All right, Spring 91, GNR, openers, Skid Row. Skid Row was incredible. And Sebastian Bach... You know, he's doing these vocal runs and these, uh, uh, this high, um, uh, you know, miasma and all that stuff. 
it was a very impressive performance. So you you kind of understand replacing somebody like that is not going to be easy. And it really hasn't been. And 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 the vocalists that they've had have they've done the job and you know, they've they've done as well as could be expected. But it's not gonna be the same. <laughs> you know, and and replacing band members is like one thing, but replacing your lead singer is tough. Man, it's tough. And that's one reason I've always insisted on having multiple singers in the bands that I've been in. So if somebody does leave, you know, you're not going to be, like, hamstrung by it. But I, I read a, a, an interview with Dave Sabo, the snake, Skid Row's lead guitarist. And uh, he said, yeah, I hear the fans. I know they want Sebastian back, but we cannot work with him. And I, I get it. I, I get it more now than ever before because this is a thing that I've seen over and over since I've been in radio. Uh, you know, I've worked here at Verstanding Media for 15 years. And in that time, I've had a, a lot of people come and go, as happens in any job when you're there long enough. And sometimes even now people will say, well, bring back X-Bob, bring back Y-Bob or whatever. And sometimes I'm like, are you nuts? I mean, think about it. Have you ever worked with somebody who was like just like a drain <laughs> on the place? And then somebody says, oh, you should bring that person back. What are you crazy? But I digress. And the thing about bands is like it's 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 a, it's a job. Well, hopefully it becomes a job. <laughs> but, you know, it's what you do and so unlike at a regular job, you are able to choose the people that you work with. Which is a blessing and a curse. I mean, cuz I've been in situations where I've played with people who were great buddies with me. And Sometimes that makes it harder, especially when you have a disagreement or like when, um, you, you know, you want you want to go in, in different directions and, and you, you can't really reconcile it. And because you're you're close with that person, uh, it does cloud your judgment. As opposed, and I've also I've played with people I had no other relation to, and it's a lot more impersonal. But in some ways, that's better. To, I mean, I think so. Like ideally, you want to shoot for a happy medium there, somewhere in the middle, and and uh, it's easier said than done. So I I, I have a, a certain level of. Sympathy for the bands that hear that kind of thing all the time. You know, bring back this person, bring back that person. And it's somebody that they don't want back. <laughs> you know, as Sebastian Bach has said many times that if a reunion were in the cards, that he would be on board. And it seems like most of his former bandmates do not see it that way. We'll put it, we'll put it that way. Like, honestly, and the, and the, and the experience at M three sort of hammered this home, especially Quiet Riot. All right, I'm going to tell you, Quiet Riot, no original members, and even, uh, mo you know, the mem all of the the members of the what's called the classic lineup, and it is uh, uh, Dubro, Cavazzo, Sarzo. And Benali, they're all gone. Of course, both Dubrow and and Benali have passed on. But so you know, there's like 
four dudes on that stage that I've never heard on any record before. And now, granted, the vocalist, I, I'm, I'm, I, th- I believe the vocalist is, is Jizzy Pearl, the guy who, in my opinion, probably has the worst name in rock and roll. <laughs> Seriously, would you want people calling you Jizzy? I don't even, how does that even happen anyway? But what they did in order to engage the audience was they played like they played Crazy Train, but they didn't play the song. They played the intro. They played the guitar solo. So they played enough of it so that the audience knew what it was and they cheered. And then they stopped and went into another song. And I'm I'm standing up there on the hill going, what are they doing? <laughs> you know? And then, and it was only pointed up even more. Uh, after I left the festival for the day, this was Saturday, this was the first day I was there, got to my hotel room and I went to uh, five guys in Laurel, Maryland there, and I went to, to grab some dinner, and I'm waiting in line at Five Guys for my turn to place my order. And what comes on the overhead music? But Metal Health. <laughs> metal. Have you ever heard, uh, like, uh, a metal song playing on, like, the overhead speakers in some restaurant? That's really weird to me. Because, I mean, I remember when Metal Health was the biggest thing going. Like, I was nuts for Quiet Riot when I was a kid. Everybody was. Everybody I knew was. And you would never hear that kind of music on the overhead speakers in a restaurant. And now it's it's commonplace enough. I I looked around the room, and I, I did not see anywhere mirrored my expression of what? Is that staring up at the ceiling? But, you know, to hear the record after, you know, only a few hours after hearing the same song performed live on stage by a band known by that name, because that's all you can say, because it's not the same band, even though it has the same name. Or is it? You know, that's the thing. Is it the same band? It's like the, the old Perseus's boat question. If you replace every part of something, is it still the same thing? And, you know, that's a philosophical debate that I I would I would be afraid to take a side in, honestly, because I can think like coming from either way, there would be exceptions. You know, say it's me, and, uh, you know, everyone has left my band, and I'm the only one left, and I get three new people to join me. Is it the same thing? You know, does it matter? I'm not sure that it does. I mean, you know, the band called Quiet Riot that's out there touring right now are all seasoned professional musicians. They can play, they can put on a show, they can do the songs. And the people that were there in the audience didn't seem to mind. Like I said, I mean, they they play they played a crazy train, they played a fragment of a song that they didn't even they didn't even play all of it. And the audience still went crazy. And it was the same thing I saw uh or the next day, Vixen played. And got a very similar reaction, even though I think, uh, like, maybe the drummer is the same. But, you know, everyone else in the band is different. And uh, the original guitarist, uh, uh, Jan Kuhneman, died a number of years ago. So, But, I mean, they played the songs, and the uh, woman singing, her name escapes me, I, I feel horrible about that, but was vocally... Very close to Janet Gardner, the original singer. So if you're not paying close attention, you wouldn't even necessarily know that it was different people. 
And I, I do think that might be one of those situations where looking too closely at something may not be the best idea. You know, certain things are, are best viewed at a distance. <laughs> not to say that any of these bands are that, but, uh, you know, it's an analogy. It's a clumsy analogy, I'll admit, but it's, it's an analogy. And, you know, the figure of speech, you can't go home again. Well, I don't believe that. I think that's false. You can go home again, but it, it, it may not feel like home anymore. You know, and there was some deeper point that I initially had there, but I don't really think it's necessarily necessary, necessary, necessarily. Yeah, I don't think it's necessary. I think you get my, I think you get my point here. I mean, things change. And a lot of people in this day and age are strongly resistant to change. And, you know, it's it's just like, uh, you know, people want everything to remain familiar, you know? They want everything to to be the way they recall it being. And I understand the urge because life is disorienting enough as it is. And to be constantly placed in situations where everything seems different is it's it's tough. And it takes a lot to adjust, you know. Personally, I I talked about this before, but I've I've struggled with anxiety my whole adult life, and and my 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 whole entire life, honestly. And I, I didn't just start when I was an adult. It was probably ten times worse when I was a kid because I didn't know what was it, what 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 was going on. You know, you just have feelings of like dread and foreboding, and they just seem to be coming from nowhere. You know, so. That is very disorienting, but it's a thing that I've struggled with. And so familiarity is a thing that we can come to rely on maybe too much. In some ways, change is good because it forces us to adapt. And, uh, you know, when I, when I was growing up, like I said, living in Columbia is a place that from the 80s into the 90s, kind of exploded, kind of grew massively and dramatically in size, and there was a lot of a lot of commercial building, a lot of business parks, a lot of warehouses and uh, factories and office buildings and stuff like that, all kinds of stuff, you know. And I don't recall anybody objecting to that. And maybe it's just because I was a kid and I didn't notice, but as an adult, I hear a lot of that stuff, you know, like people saying, you know, too much traffic, too many warehouses, too much construction, too much this, too much that. And I think in the majority of cases, it's because people who have the least experience with change obviously are going to have the most difficult time dealing with it. And while I sympathize, I, I, I sympathize to a point, you know, because it's inescapable. And it is a fact of life. And I had that brought home to me once again. But make no mistake, my, my trip to Columbia and my experience there was fantastic. It was just different than I was prepared for. And that's not a bad thing. You know, in this case, it was great. And, of course, I say that to say this. When I do go back there, 
you know, assuming that I get the opportunity to do so next year, it will be a familiar thing because I will have been there and done it before. So there you go. That's experience right there. And it's similar, but not quite the same. But in closing, I will say this. If you ever have the opportunity to revisit a place that you have a strong connection with, do it. I strongly recommend that you do it just to see what it's like because I think you might be surprised that the reaction you have is not one that you would expect to have. But whatever you do, be kind. Or at least try to. I know it's hard. (laughs) So until the next time, this has been Just a Podcast 25. My name is Just Bob, and if you are still listening, I thank you. And I appreciate you. And uh, I'll see you on the airwaves. 3 p.m. JB out. (laughs) 